Welcome to Critics on a Bus, your favourite film review podcast, with me, your host, Cameron. Hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome, welcome to a new episode of Critics on the Bus. It's great to be back, and we have returning to um, to the hot seat is Maddie. Hello, Maddie. Hi. Hi, it's lovely to be back. Yes, you enjoyed reviewing Bond so much you just couldn't wait to come back and we we've decided to test you with the Marvel movie today oh this is this is a big one yeah so what movie are we reviewing today uh so today we're going to be reviewing Eternals uh the latest uh in the Marvel phase four yes not the Eternals like I keep saying to people it's just Eternals yeah I literally I found that out in the credits <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I keep saying, well, we see, I'm seeing, I'm seeing the Eternals. It's, no, it's just Eternals. It's just Eternals. Yes. I feel like they needed the the though. I like the the. Yeah, it it yeah, it feels more natural to say the Eternals. Yeah. So yeah, well, it's it's Eternals anyway. So with with Eternals, who are we talking about today? Okay, so I mean, who haven't we got? Um, it's a big cast. We've got Gemma Chan, who I guess we'll get into it, but I feel like she kind of heads up this this film. Um, and then we've got a couple of Game of Thrones actors. We've got Richard Madden and Kit Harrington. Probably the biggest name um, of this film is Angelina Jolie. Then we've got Salma Hayek. We've got Kamal Nanjiani as the kind of comedic actor in there. We've got Lauren uh Ridloff and I should have worked out that I could pronounce all these names before <laughs> there's a lot of them um, the cast is huge yeah and many more yeah you got uh, of the main you got Leah McHugo Brian Tyree Henry Barry Cogan my wife <laughs> might kill me for that pronunciation and Madong Siak I don't know if that's right <laughs> Yeah, Madong. I think people just call him Madong. Madong. We'll go with Madong. Yeah. You've also got hidden in there Bill Skarsgård. Scar? Sars? Skarsgård. This um, film also boasts the only best director, Oscar winning director. Who is that director for us? Yeah, so we've got Chloe Zhao. Zhao? Um, And she, we know her from Nomadland. Uh, which did uh, very well at the Oscars, um, and she was she's only the second female to win a Best Director, I believe, at mm-hmm. the Oscars, uh, yeah. and that was for for Nomadland. And she usually does quite independent films, so it's really interesting to see how like her take on on a Marvel movie. Mm. She's also the third female to ever direct a Marvel movie. Oh, interesting. Um, Captain Marvel and Black Widow were the other two films directed by females. Um, so she's and she's the first woman of color to direct a Marvel film. I suppose we should talk about. I I see a lot of a lot of the controversial criticism of Eternals seems to be aimed at her, which I find quite interesting. People thinking she sold out from her indie roots to go Marvel or. A lot of the, you know, review bombings that they've experienced, especially on Rotten Tomatoes, I feel there's an underlying kind of like attack on her, which I think is really unfair. Mm. Yeah, that's um, really interesting because I feel like 
this this is what we need like we need diversity and and we need uh like different like we need to widen the sort of people who make these films and yeah if, and, uh, if they're and, gonna uh, criticize her for doing that then then we're never gonna diversify are we yeah and i think every time we've brought in a real kind of diverse director ryan coogler um on black panther and taika watiti and all sorts of things every time there's been a big shift um in in the director's chair it's gone down really well and i'm quite surprised that the eternals hasn't gone down better than it did because i think and we'll get into this that this represents a quite a seismic shift in marvel films and i hope it's actually the direction that marvel take might maybe that's shocking to some people or not but i think this is uh and we'll get into why i think this might be uh the next big thing for marvel and why it should be the next big thing for marvel and it's and it's entirely down to chloe mm. and so we'll get into that later so i, I you know I, i'm quite surprised by that it's only been out four days i think four five days um how is it doing in the box office at the moment so so in terms of domestic opening we've got yeah. 71 million dollars uh, opening weekend which is actually the fourth best opening weekend uh, post pandemic mm-hmm. and actually behind three other marvel or marvel-esque films um because you've got venom black widow and shang chi ahead of it in terms of opening weekend and it's taken 161.7 million dollars worldwide and i think it's now's probably the time to mention that it's actually not opening in a lot of countries um, Mm -hmm. because of uh, controversy uh, surrounding um, a a LGBTQ um, representation. Uh, So there are a few countries that I think requested Marvel to remove that scene and they've stood their ground and and have left it in and therefore um, these countries uh, won't release it. So I think that's going to have a, is going to have an impact on box office. Yeah, I I think Marvel did the right thing in standing the ground and saying no, we're not going to censor real life. Um, mm-hmm, absolutely. You know, there are families and people of all orientations all over the world, and I, a big thing about this film is representing diversity, and that mm-hmm. includes the LGBTQT plus community. I did see that it was released in Russia, but it received it received an like an 18 rating it seemed like an r rating yeah i saw that to combat the fact that there is lgbq2 plus representation so well done to marvel for holding the ground and not censoring Mm. Mm. you know the representation that they've put into this movie i think it could have happened earlier i it's like obviously they can't do anything about that now um and i think it's great that they have done it for this film uh especially with it being quite a big film in the marvel calendar and also like you mentioned earlier um introducing kind of the new direction so i think it's important that they've done it in this film but i don't think we should let them off the hook that they should have done it earlier yeah i mean there's there's lots of things they should have done earlier yeah. you know and they're 26 films in now <laughs> yeah um, exactly <laughs> but they're doing it and that's yeah. that's the, that's for at least I feel. I mean, we're not part of the, the those kind of minority communities, and we can't really speak on their behalf. But I, I think it's a good thing that they are they are they are starting that now, and they are doing it. And yeah, I don't want to. Yeah, I'm not going to say any more because I I don't have the the right to to speak on behalf of those communities. 
But yeah, they are represented, and I'm glad that Marvel didn't back down in, in the representation, which I think is was really good. So the Eternals, I'll briefly sum up, very spoiler free. Eternals. Or Eternals, yeah. <laughs> it's gonna happen a lot. The oh, see, I almost did it. <laughs> Um, Eternals is a sweeping story about these immortal beings who are created by Celestials who are residing on Earth. They are fulfilling their mission to protect humanity from a a dark race called the Deviants, who are just basically creatures, predators who feed on humans. And um, they are a dysfunctional family who have spent thousands and thousands and thousands of years together uh, and we follow them in the present and the past uh, as as we see their journey we we experience them and their fight against the re-emergence of a new kind of deviant and their quest for self-identity and their struggle for their own kind of voice and their own mind and their own and their conflicts of living their life's purpose and whether their their ideals today matches the 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 purpose that was always laid out for them. So it's a real kind of a big tale. I don't want to go into any more and spoil anything until we get into the actual review. So that is really kind of what what it's about. It's about those these super these immortal super beings from the planet Olympia protecting Earth through our through our history. And there are meant to be the figures of like Greek mythology of Icarus and Athena and all sorts of things and you know their powers which they don't they're not shy in it showing even uncivilized people um formed legends of of the past before we get into anything else do you have your fun fact for Eternals um so one that I found quite fun was that the so the the prime eternal the the lead eternal in the comics um was actually um zura <laughs> um not ajak as in the film but the reason they changed it is because they thought that zura sounded too much similar to zeus mm-hmm. and zeus is going to appear in thor and they thought that everybody would get a bit confused <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that made me laugh okay so with that let's get into this film i do want to caveat by saying that when we we saw it yesterday together which was a monday the 8th and i don't know about you but i left the cinema thinking how on earth am i going to review this film it's big and scary yeah definitely i felt very daunted and i didn't as soon as it finished i didn't know what my thoughts were either i thought Mm. like that is that's a lot that i need to process so i'm 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 excited to to get into it yeah yeah so I, I, we always start with the plot so let's just start there it's an easy point to go with um <coughs> so this film um i always wa- i wondered how they were going to tell this grand seven thousand year story and they tell it through flashbacks primarily they yeah they they set it in modern day present day but they they tell their history and their stories through through those flashback sequences I don't know what else I was expecting, to be honest. I, I had something different in mind in terms of when they said at that 7,000-year-old story, it's like, are we going to see something different? And it was flashbacks. And now I'm thinking about it, I don't know how I feel about that. It's a bit very classic, isn't it, I guess? Yeah, yeah. That was one bit that I wasn't sure about. I, I don't know how they could have done it differently. I just felt 
it made a couple of bits fall a bit flat Mm. particularly the start I didn't think it was the it wasn't the big opening that I wanted yeah like I said I don't know how they could have done it any better I just um wasn't sure because it it, we started with them coming to earth didn't we so you had the the child at the the water and the deviant comes out and then they're the they're rescued by uh, the eternals and then you have them kind of uh, there's the uh, cersei hands over the dagger to the the child and it's kind of like oh yes so we're gonna work together and we we come in peace um and then it it kind of jumped to modern day from there and i just i feel like that one small bit with the the one deviant that they were rescuing that they were kind of defeating just didn't yeah. hit hard enough i don't know what you thought yeah because i felt like we were always missing information mm. some of it is crucial for the plot and some of it wasn't and i just feel like the breaking up of the family whenever in history that was i forget what that was to be honest but whenever they broke up i felt like it because we didn't see them together enough mm. we saw we saw them together for set pieces right so like mm. the big moments when they fought events or or saw things and so i feel like they always we didn't we didn't see them together enough as a unit to be kind of heartbroken or to understand why they kind of all fell apart exactly it kind and of so, all came later and and you were like oh oh I understand why they were they lost something because they had this like great moment here but you needed that at the start I think that opening just needed to be longer and explain a bit more before they jumped to present day yeah and the funny thing is this is the second longest Marvel film mm. as well just in terms of length it's just a, it's a bit shy of um Endgame and so, like it already, it already it was already doing quite a lot. <clears throat> mm-hmm. But yeah, I think I think they missed a little bit of a trick there on on not giving us enough of them as a family in terms of the plot, because we see them in their prime, battling against events, you know, building societies that the you know the the suggestion is that they made Babylon, the great city of Babylon, and all sorts and all sorts of things throughout time. And I'm not too sure my history, so I don't know whether like where some of the, the cities and the, the mythologies like lie in terms of their um their journey and uh the bits we didn't didn't see. But in the plot wise they're then they're then attacked by this new deviant who <clears throat> has powers and seemingly trying to communicate. And one of the I think the plot holes is he's never explained. So I'm not sure where he comes from. I, I you know you eventually learn his purpose is that he wants to survive. Right, and he wants vengeance. Mm. But how does he learn in the first place to absorb powers from Eternals? Because they they try they do kind of explain it a bit right at the end, um, when they show you what happens with Ajax and him absorbing her powers. So they do they they do address like how he actually did it and how he was given that opportunity. And but I guess. Yeah, you're right. It doesn't explain how he knew that that was a possibility. Yeah, considering he seemed to be just a normal deviant. Mm. But didn't they explain, actually, that they... Because the whole point was, when the deviants were first sent to Earth, they were meant to just destroy 
not just Earth, sorry, to the planets. They were meant to just destroy what was there mm-hmm. to kind of clear the slate for the um, celestials to to grow new life. And then they said that it went wrong because they started to evolve. So I guess he was just the product of the evolution. Yeah. It just, it, maybe it was just, maybe I'm just not seeing the, I mean, I'm just being trying to be too ambiguous about it. It seems a bit, that could have been explained or, because the, the whole, the whole, I mean, we should just talk about it. the whole crux of the film is basically that the, the, they've killed all the deviants in history. Um, they've had, you know, centuries of peace and calm and they're just living their lives. Ajax just told them once they broke up, just go and live a life and, you know, have, have joy and prosperity and, and then deviants return and that brings them all back together. They try to go back together and, and that's where they find Ajax has died. And the whole, basically the whole thing is that Earth was just a breeding ground for a new celestial and that their actual purpose is to allow humanity to flourish or allow civilizations on planets to flourish big enough to feed the birth of a celestial which they are all very attached to earth and so they don't want to happen they think trying to find ways to stop it break their programming because they're not actually um eternal beings they are robots um created by rhm um the, the head celestial um to do his bidding and so they're breaking free of their programming you know they're they're fighting against the machine and, and their their creators and and doing something themselves and that's more or less in a spoiler context the, the plot mm. we talked about it in the cinema the twist in the film mm. the twist in the plot broke my heart oh mine so what is the twist Melly? because i can't say it oh so <laughs> <laughs> the heartbreaking twist um is that richard madden aka icarus is actually the he becomes kind of the the baddie of the film um over the the deviants who you thought were the the villains at first and he actually wants to continue with the the celestial's idea ashram's idea that we should sacrifice everybody on earth to create a new celestial being and he turns against the rest of the group to uh, to try and help this to to continue happening, and it, it turns out he's actually responsible for Ajax's death, and it's it's heartbreaking. It it it, it is because we both love Richard Madden. We're both big Richard Madden fans. I you know I I saw him primarily from The Bodyguard, and you know loved him in that. It was um, great. And, and I was like, I know yeah. from Game of Thrones as well. Um, yeah. And I, I was expecting him to be the next like Iron Man, the next big thing, the next leader of of the MCU, and it's not happening. Yeah, because... especially in the the trailer, they gave us it in the trailer that that scene where they're all sat around the table, um, and they say, uh, oh, so uh, now that Steve Rogers and uh, Iron Man have gone, who who's gonna lead the Avengers? And he says, oh, I could do it, and they all laugh. Like they even gave it as in the trailer. Yeah, and then, and like that's genuinely what I thought was going to happen. <laughs> yeah, that's why I hoped it happened because I really liked yeah. um, Richard Madden, um, but that's not the case. The thing about it that's really difficult is that he's not technically doing anything wrong either. Mm. Like that's their purpose. They might not know it, and they might not be happy with it, but that 
in this perspective, that's the purpose of Earth, is just to breed an celestial to allow many people to live. You know, that's that all has always been their actual purpose and their goal. Um, throughout history, you know, we learn from Cersei, who becomes the next leader of this group of Eternals, that they do this on a, on a, on a repeated basis. They go through, they protect the planet, <clears throat> they birth the celestial, and then they get their minds wiped and do it all again. You know, it's like the worst Groundhog Day ever. <laughs> and what he's doing, technically, te- in a in a weird way, isn't evil, right? He is doing what he is meant to do. He's doing his job. He's doing his programming. <clears throat> he's doing the purpose of life in the in the universe. It just well, so happens that it's at the expense of seven billion lives. This, mm. That's the only kind of crux, but. I think the key is that they spin it that that's the way to make new universes. So it's not just that it's in his programming. It's that you're sacrifice, sacrificing this uh, this planet, but to create an entire universe. So you're by by not letting that happen, you're actually killing an entire universe of people. It's like the age old thing, isn't it? Is is one life worth? you know, hundreds, but on a much, much bigger scale. Yeah. And to the point that even um, Kamali's character, Kingo, bows out and says, look, I agree with Icarus, but I'm not going to fight you. Mm. Yeah. And, he, and the thing is, like, so he's on the same vein as Icarus, but it's not, not seen as a villain. Both Kingo and Icarus have the same idea, just different methods of doing it, whereas Icarus is faithful to um, Arashem and will, like, I will defend the new celestial with my life king goes like i won't defend it with my life i'm not gonna stop you i'm not gonna help you Mm. and um i think that's a really interesting i mean ajax knew this one of the reasons why she died was because she knew the truth all along and she's like maybe maybe we can try and stop it we've got seven days and um i think what what makes this twist interesting is that in a way, he's not doing anything wrong. He's doing what the Eternals are meant to do, you know? Yeah, but then just because they're meant to do it doesn't mean that it's not wrong. No, of course, that's not always the right answer. But, like, it, I for me, I felt very conflicted because it's like, it's not technically doing, he's not technically evil in this case, you know? He's not going around and killing himself, seven billion people, but he wasn't stopping seven people billion dying. It's... I th- I think it's I mean, a real. I'm struggling to see it from your point of view. <laughs> if you're listening, everyone who listens to this, and you see it from my point of view, let me know. <laughs> I mean, I still, yeah, I don't know if it's because I am human. Um, but, <laughs> I mean, so like, am I. <laughs> and but, <laughs> I think the bit that really kept solidifying it for me as well is that Cersei is in love with Dane, who is a human. Mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously, um, you've got Fastos, uh, who's got a his partner and his son, and they are all human. So even if like you think like on a bigger scale, well, he's not doing anything wrong because this is what meant to happen. He's still like his family, and they're supposed to be like really close. He's still like killing off and his family's loved ones. Yeah, I'm not. I mean, I'm not saying that he's right. <laughs> I'm just. <laughs> I'm not saying that I'm just saying that like his his motives weren't evil. 
so and that's what makes it like the the betrayal and the the fight harder because you know you get the sense that they could probably feel like yeah i mean he might be an arrogant ass sometimes but he's not he's not necessarily doing what he's doing out of villainy yeah i guess he's not killing them the the like entire earth's population for the sake of it (laughs) but i mean villains often have a reason why they're doing something yeah but normally it's power or greed or you know money or or things he's doing it and and but thanos Thanos what's the difference what's the difference thanos doesn't like but thanos (laughs) i guess i've never no one's ever asked me this but like thanos you know his idea is about sustainability (laughs) and you know he's doing what he's doing to try and sustain the the society because he but but that's more of a a personal kind of vendetta that he has he he's taking it upon himself as a mandate to go i need to reset the earth reset the universe it's not his purpose it's just his idea where he might see it as his purpose yeah but like that is also just not his purpose thanos is connected to the eternals in some way he is a he has the deviant gene inside him which makes him yeah, kind of that, yeah. that predator instinct um <clears throat> but i just feel like icarus has that kind of moral purpose in him which is why it's a little bit different for him <laughs> okay. no we'll have to agree to disagree <laughs> maybe we will maybe we will but i do love uh, richard madden and i do wish that he was the new the leader of the phase four marvel heroes but he's not, and he dies. Oh. He does. He does. And, he does. Very, and by um, flying too close to the sun. Yeah. As his namesake. Very, yes, I I did notice that as a very kind of poetic death mm. for Icarus. I did um, also notice that they had to explicitly tell you, like they, I mean, I guess I could be if I was being nice, I would say they foreshadowed it, but I see it more as a, oh, that's why they put in that comment about. Icarus flying too close to the sun. Yeah. <laughs> I'm probably being a bit harsh, but it's also okay. very clearly like he's not coming back, guys. He's dead. Yeah. <laughs> which we talked about as well, is that we are surprised so this film does something, the plot does something which most Marvel films don't commit to, and that's actually killing people. Mm. Um it's a big gripe. If you've listened to some episodes, you'll know that not killing people is a big problem of mine in films. Like just commit to death. But a bunch of the Eternals die. Mm. Um, Ajax, of course, is killed. Yep. Um, in the past beginning. Yep. Um, of the film. Um, so Salma Hayek, the leader, she's she's gone. Um, Madong, Gilgamesh. Um, who oh yeah. Was you know, great Eternal. Honestly, really good. I loved him. I genuinely thought he was one of the best ones. <laughs> yeah, he he's killed by the Deviant. Uh, Icarus, of course, sacrifices himself after realizing he's lost, he's done wrong. He's hurt his, fa- he's hurt his family. It's time to go. Sprite chooses to give up her status as an eternal um, and live as a human. Oh, you know, this is a slight tangent, but you know how at, she's giving up her um, her eternal, and they say at the end um, that she's going to go to school. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said, oh, I think it would be good for you to get around humans. I, like, massively, I'm predicting she's going to meet a Spider-Man. Interesting. Like, it might be far-fetched, but as soon as I heard that she was going to school, I was like, well, who else is at school? 
Peter Parker's at school. <laughs> <laughs> well, you heard it here first, everybody. Manny is predicting that Sprite and the Mickey will end up in No Way Home. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, your pre- hot hot take is No Way Home. Okay, we'll see. We'll see how <laughs> see how that happens. Which means that Cersei, uh, Athena, Angela Jolie, uh, Kingo, Fastos, Druig, uh, Macari are the remaining Eternals. And I'm a bit surprised by some of that. I'm quite surprised that Angelina Jolie has technically and very clearly signed for more than one Marvel film. Mm. Cersei, I, that Gemma Chan has one hell of an agent because she's already been in the MCU and died. She mm. was in Captain Marvel yeah. as one of the Kree. Um, <clears throat> so she's got a great agent keeping her keeping her career going. I don't think Fastos is going to play a big role. I feel like... Um, He'll want to once he gets free of um, Arisha, want to go back to his family. Well, um, yeah, because we've not mentioned that actually. You say that these ones are still around, but Fastos, yes. uh, Cersei, and who is the third one? It would be Kinga, wouldn't it? Yeah, got taken by Arishan. Yeah. Uh, at now, the end. What did he say? Did he say that you're he'll let he'll let basic you've killed an Eternal? I'll let mm-hmm. it slide. But I'm going to now use your memories to judge this planet. And if they yeah. pass, they survive. If not, Galacticus. Galacticus eats worlds. Mm. As a celestial, would you just send Galacticus on the way to Earth to destroy it? Who knows? Big speculation. Hot take. <clears throat> yeah, and then you've got Thena, um, Druig, and Makari on Domo, their ship. Yeah. Going off to warn the other Eternals off their actual purpose and to try and, and change everyone's mind. Yeah, which means um, potential for new Eternals. Mm-hmm, which we already do have a new Eternal. Yes, we do. Made, it made you go a bit crazy in the cinema. Who <laughs> is appearing as a new Eternal, Maddie? So, <laughs> I did an audible, like, I, yeah. Jumped and okay. everything. Yeah. <laughs> I still can't even believe it. I'm like, I'm actually speechless. We found out in the post credit scene, no other than Harry Styles <laughs> is an Eternal. Not just like, any Eternal. No, yes, not just any Eternal. Thanos' brother, Eros. Eros, yeah. Mind blown. Like, ha- what has happened to Harry Styles? <laughs> like, Do you know, he- I... I watched a video, I watched an interview of Chloe Zhao earlier today when she talked about Harry Styles playing Eros. She wanted to include Eros um, and wanted to open up the exploration of, you know, his relationship with, with Thanos and all those sort of things. And she had been watching Harry Styles ever since he appeared in Dunkirk in Christopher Nolan. She basically, she, she said in the, in the video, and I have, I have it saved on Instagram, she's like, anyone that Christopher Nolan like casts I keep an eye on and I follow them and so she saw Dunkirk she so she's a big Christopher Nolan fan which means means are in our tight and thought he had it he had and she she thought that he had what he like the personal aspects that that Eros needs to to develop that relationship so it was a very it was a very specific acting cast mm. not just uh we'll get the teenage girls in with harry styles um it's a very specific purpose of getting him into some of the biggest films in cinema. yeah 
I mean, I Dunkirk instantly came to mind after the initial shock was over. I immediately thought of Dunkirk, and that is the one thing that didn't make me instantly give up on Marvel altogether. I'm not going to lie. Um, <laughs> I did think, actually, he was great in Dunkirk. You can't deny it. I also did think he looked great in the post credit scene. I liked the styling. And he didn't look... I mean, it was obviously Harry Styles. Well, to me, you had to <laughs> ask yeah, I who did it have was. To, I did have to ask you, who is that? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who that says more about me or you. Um, <laughs> but um obviously like I did know it was Harry Styles but there was something in the way that they did the styling that it wasn't too obvious like I just feel some of the times when they cast big names and celebrities mm. I mentioned this when we were talking about June the other day um it just sometimes takes away from the film and the story and it takes you out of it and I did think that he fit in very well. He didn't mm. stick out like a sore thumb. Yeah. In his one little scene. But <laughs> um, we'll see. I'm intrigued now. We will see. Something I also want to talk about is is just the cast in general. This is a very diverse cast in this film. Um, and I think a lot of people will see themselves represented here. You know, we have multiple ethnicities um multiple sexual orientations and um also laura ridloff playing a deaf actress she is deaf um she's not playing a deaf actress she genuinely is um a deaf deaf person in real life um i first saw her in the walking dead and she's you know and she is deaf and they don't try and do anything other than let her speak in sign and i love it and I love that, you know, you've got, you know, all the characters had their accents. You had um, mm-hmm. Druig with a very clearly Irish accent. Yes. You know, Richard Madden channeling his, his Scottish accent, you know, mm-hmm. um, you got the signs. All, everyone had their own kind of yeah. personality shine through. And I just feel like this is probably the most diverse cast um, ensemble in the MCU and whether you're you know no matter most people can find a version of themselves to relate to in an eternal i thought that was fantastic um very specifically i think makari as a deaf person is a real big thing as well you know you rarely see mm-hmm. um deaf people in blockbuster films like this and and she was cheeky and funny and you know and I, I loved that. I thought that was just so representative of, you mm. know, those sorts of people. And yeah, I thought that was great. And and they even um kind of talked about like she near the beginning um <sighs> when you first one of the first times you meet her and she's doing trades in the mm. uh, in the the bar or wherever they are. Um, she even explains like about being able to hear vibrations and things from like basically explain that she can lip read and I um I just thought that was it was nice that they kind of tried to address that and and explain it for people that might not understand like what it means to be a deaf person yeah and they also kind of made it for her a little bit of a superpower yeah you know she can she can hear or feel things before they happen Mm. you know when um in that post-credit scene when Eros appears she 
when when Athena's like can see something and she's and she signs I felt that too mm. you know she's not dis- she's she's not disabled by her her um the different way that she perceives sound and mm. I think they kind of made that for her a little bit of her own little power you know that she mm. can sense someone stealing something by the vibrations moving so she doesn't yeah. have to look at them to know it's happening and so they they empowered her through her disability her I air quote disability because I'm sure she doesn't see it as a disability in her life at the moment so and it, well, I it that certainly was... wasn't as an eternal in the film yeah. it certainly was never ever portrayed as as anything other than just maybe different yeah and I thought that was that was great mm-hmm. um but yeah I thought that the diverse cast was was really good and um I really liked that and I want to talk about uh the reason I think this film is the next big thing for Marvel and that is the the way it's filmed. This film, I don't know about you, this film feels very different visually to any other MCU film. Mm, yeah. I, you know, because I love Infinity War, right? I, I, people know it's my favourite MCU film, right? But you, you can see so much of it is green screen, right? You can see so much of it. So much of Marvel is computer generated, you know? Mm. And you can tell in the Eternals that it's not, or you can't see where it is. The the reason that I say this because I can see your kind of confused face, um, <laughs> is because because Chloe is someone like me. Chloe's out is she doesn't necessarily believe in computer generating everything. Mm. She's a practical filmmaker. She likes going out on set, on location building costumes. If you notice, like the Eternals costumes, you know you had a piece of armor on your hand and then fabric along the armor and then a shoulder blade yeah and you know it's built very kind of purposely that you know you can wear it and in in the film the making of this i think it's probably the least used least amount of green screen in any mcu film mm. to date they went to the canary islands to shoot they went to locations to jungles to deserts to Australia and they, they did the filming there they used they used the earth to tell the story not a, not a screen and of course there are a lot of scenes that are CGI you know <laughs> um, that's why I was confused <laughs> yeah there the, the are scenes but a lot of it also is a blending of practical and um, computer generated effects mm. so it's not just you know the on location and then they enhance the location not just the inner studio and this film feels a lot more visceral, visually to me, than most of the MCU films did. And I, I love it. And that's one of the big takeaways I have, is that's what I want. I am an anti-CGI film goer. Um, I think that computer-generated imagery takes us away from film more than it gives us film. Um, we rely too much on it, and so much of film is fake now. And I think Chloe... Even with June, they're blending that, they're marrying that relationship a lot better by bringing us back to the to the physicalness of it. Use computer generation stuff to enhance imagery, enhance your environment, but you make it real. <clears throat> Kevin Feige said that, um, I, I read an article a long time ago when they were filming Eternals that, you know, Chloe was a, a it's a big break from their, their established pattern. You know, they have their studio, they have their green screen set they have their things and that's what they do and Chloe was like 
no thanks i'm going to location we're taking the crew across the world but you know and he was very nervous about that but you know in early testings he was like this is incredible this is great if you can if you consider did you watch black widow have you seen black widow yet yeah of course um of course black widow is a bit of an assault of cgi yeah yeah right it's a bit like that is cringingly bad because it's so obvious Mm. at no point in eternals that i feel like i was being assaulted by cgi you know yeah yeah i know what you mean it did mean that at times that some of the cgi was poor you know pip i think is the troll's name of that eros has um, oh yeah yeah that wasn't yeah, Pat, great <laughs> Pat and that wasn't great but it's the same issue that we i had in june because a lot of the cgi is so good for a lot of the film when it's bad it's really bad mm. and i feel like that's the same thing and I, and I just hope that mcu move away from doing everything cgi you know how much of of um iron man's outfit was actually there about you know half a chest worth of Iron Man suit was real, mm. and of course don't get me wrong, it's imp- you can't actually make an Iron Man suit, but you could give him something a bit more than just a chest plate, and I just yeah it's a personal gripe, but I, I just felt this film felt felt real real more visceral to me. It didn't feel as kind of cookie cutter clean of a seat of a, of a computer screen. It felt like they. They lived it and they breathed it and they they were in the environment and I really like that. Mm. Um, yeah, I've yeah, I know what you mean. For a long time now. <laughs> <laughs> I just I like I don't think it's a CGI thing, but the it's like a general look of the the film. I just felt like I think it was because the Eternals are meant to be like godlike beings, aren't they? They well. The, these droids or whatever that we find out I thought they looked too clean which mm. is kind of like just contrasting to what you were saying I know it's kind of different because you were talking about the CGI and things but that's what stood out for me although I don't know if they did something to their faces <laughs> but like when Gemma Cham first came on the screen I just I thought you know like in Twilight when they use that awful kind of CGI to make them look like they're meant to be perfect beings. Yeah. Like the vampires. I just kind of got that vibe from this, but uh, maybe they didn't. I get what you mean by like, they're always very, their face is very clean. I don't think they were very, but I guess it's because they're kind of godlike, isn't it? It's meant to represent yeah. that kind of just above and beyond little things. Yeah, no, that's that's a fair criticism. I, I, I have brought that up in some films before. So I do think, yeah, they, they did seem very clean at times but but I guess they meant to I think that was I don't know if we're going down the wrong track here so tell me if we are but I think it was kind of that was for me there was too much of a contradiction between what the Eternals are so Uh on the one hand they were very very human-like and their like their bond that they had with each other the the scenes where they're like sat around the table laughing and joking, their vulnerabilities, the their relationships were all very, very human-like and they look like humans. But then we're also meant to remember that actually they're effectively robots from the gods. Well, I guess the, the a great philosophical question is what makes a human a human? 
and is that because I feel like that's kind of one of the messages of the film it's like it doesn't matter who you are or what you are or what you represent it's it's how you experience so Ajax was always saying you know Ajax knew that they were synthetic beings but she's like but you know that's not the, that's not the whole point live your life love laugh you know bond with people and connect with people and that's why she chose Cersei to um to lead after she was betrayed by Icarus because she loves them and Athena says in her rousing speech you know to love someone to protect mm-hmm. someone is you know the most basic instinct of love and you love these people just because they're synthetic I guess you could argue that being made by a celestial you know what is synthesism to celestial uh, if it's not just another form of life um and you know with, with such a diverse cast all living their own kind different versions of life and some happy some not it's about acceptance and if they love humanity then why can't they be human so I, I feel like that was like a, a little bit of like a an underlying message that we could, you know, it doesn't matter who or what you are, you should just be accepted. Because if you love that, if you love something enough to fight and protect for it, and why is that, that, that should be good enough. But I could just be thinking way too much into it, but that's just... <laughs> <laughs> no, I like that. I think that's, that's a, a, a good um, take on it. It fits in with the whole diversity, doesn't it? And, and yeah, and if if that's the the mission of the film is to like give over that message, then I think that's a good that's a great message. I do think at times some of the some of the acting in some scenes were very stilted, um, but it's difficult to know whether that's character based or not. Like Richard Madden isn't the most expressive of people in a lot of things I've seen him in anyway. So like some of the some of the acting work was a bit still and a bit motionless and i hope you're not criticizing also... richard madden there no of course not of course not <laughs> of course not i i, I was heartbroken when he died so um uh, and you know the size of the cast meant that people like angela jolene was very quiet but whilst i've seen that as a criticism this is also the mcu and they're probably going to explore people a lot more look at you know characters all over the place that have been quiet and underused and they've come to the forefront and so I take that with a pinch of salt because the MCU can build upon this. Yeah, in, I mean, in, you just have to look at the recent Disney Plus series, um, like WandaVision and Loki. Like, Yeah, Wanda is a great example of someone who was yeah. just there, but has now become a real big hero and a fan favourite in her own right. So I'm excited to see where that goes. Um, and hopefully they get a chance to, to grow. Like, if you think Thor was pretty bad in the first film. Mm. But by the third film, he's like one of your favourites because he grew into his role and he grew into his character. Um, so whilst I do say yes, some of the acting was mm, a little bit hit and miss, they've got a chance to grow. Um, it's a big it's a big job and they don't have a lot of screen time to, to share to yeah, share out. They have very little screen time. Um, yeah. It's a mammoth task. And I think like films like this often struggle to, to mm. try and introduce so many different characters all in one film is is a is a mammoth task um it's much easier to do an origin story of of one person yeah yeah than like 10 yeah <laughs> yeah i thought karoon kingo's uh valet great i loved him um, yeah i did love him i think i like that they dialed the humor back in this film 
but that it was still present. Oh, interesting, because I didn't think that they... <laughs> That's not what I took away from it. I thought oh. the humour was pretty in your face. Oh, really? Yeah. Like the whole, the whole valet and the camera and like that he was recording everything. I thought that... I, I almost thought that the humour was a little bit too in your face. In this interesting. Film. I mean, it, it could have been. I just think it was a lot less than most previous Marvel films. I, I thought it was... the In previous Marvel films maybe it's more like one-liners mm-hmm. and things whereas this was like they had a, a, a genuine comedic actor in uh, uh Kamal Nanjiani and I I do feel like him with the help of his his valet were in there as comedic effect and I think maybe that's why to me it feels like there was a lot more humor in it because that was kind of his entire role um whereas maybe in previous films that's been given to different people as as like off-handed one-liners i don't know mm. i guess thor yeah. is a very comedic character when thor became very comedic as a character yeah, yeah. um under taika's influence mm. yeah i just i just feel i mean i guess black widow wasn't very funny was it um no. it's more shang chi there's a lot more comedy in shang chi a lot more like one-lining kind of classic marvel as we've come to expect of marvel in shang chi i just thought the Uh, balance was a lot better in shang chi interesting i feel i feel it's better in eternals oh interesting (laughs) already diverging Um, (laughs) one thing i do want to say and this might just be me um i i know obviously one of the big topics of the film of course um starting the covenant controversy is of course the inclusion of of uh, a sex scene in it um ever so slightly between icarus and cersei blink um, and you miss it blink and you miss it yes i do i do in a way worry because one of the grand appeals of marvels is that it's very family friendly you know the whole family can realistically watch a marvel movie um and I just am cautious that they don't slip too much and allow too much in to. And I don't get me wrong, it's good for Marvel to mature a little bit and to, you know, strengthen up and to make consequences and people be people. I just, I just worry that. I mean, maybe I'm worrying very prematurely. I just, I, I just want them to make sure that they, they keep Marvel family friendly because it is. I I mean I I see your worry like you don't want it to become like Game of Thrones um which is just let's throw in lots of sex and nudity for views um mm-hmm. like but I mean I think there's a long way between yeah there Game is there's, this is the first time in I mean it was it was the first ever one and it was about thirty seconds and you didn't see a thing <laughs> no and it's and it's done to represent it's done to represent you know the the connection that they're having and their, their experience mm-hmm. and to make that kind of connection between the two it's done for for a purpose it's not just sex for sex it's done very tastefully yeah yeah and I I just, it, was like a, it was almost like a very beautiful like moment um, I mean, the thing is the way that the way that it's talked about online i thought it'd be a lot worse than it was i was like oh but um, i missed that yeah. completely before i went to see it I, I didn't yeah. realize that I, was something that I was meant to be looking out for. <laughs> I yeah, yeah, it might just be a personal thing. I just I hope they keep the the integrity of a, of a, of being like a family adventure movie, but we'll see. We have got to talk about the music. 
I listened to most of the soundtrack today um, just to refresh my memory and to, to think about um, the sound. I quite liked the soundtrack, to be honest. I feel like when I listened to it, it had the grand like epicness of a great story. Um, I thought primarily like the score was a lot more in keeping with a traditional kind of epic tale um and it and it fit the 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 world quite well i i liked the the soundtrack i do i often come out of films um and the soundtracks has like a a big impact on me and i usually want to listen to it as soon as i've i've come out and i to be honest i didn't feel that with this one but i uh I did like it, and there were moments in the film where I thought, "Oh, I like. I think this this soundtrack's really working." I uh, I didn't realise until the credits um, that it was Ramin Djawadi, um, if I pronounce that right, uh, who did another Game of Thrones reference. Um, uh, I mean, in terms of Marvel, he did Iron Man. You did, yes. Um, I was going to say he started Phase phase four yeah yeah exactly um i knew him previously to this i wouldn't have known him from iron man but i've listened to his game of thrones stuff quite a lot and and do really like it and i think i will go back and listen to the eternal soundtrack it just didn't have um as big an impact on me as as some others have had no it's not it's not necessarily a memorable soundtrack yeah but it's certainly when you listen to it you you do feel the scale of the film come through in the in the soundtrack which is good it ma- I feel like it matches the the film quite well because there's a there's um, a lot in this there's there's so there much there's there is the after credit scene yeah um the second that. after credit scene with Kit Harrington yeah where he sees the ebony blade which is the the cursed blade of the black knight the um the MC, an MCU well not a, a Marvel supervillain the black knight um and the the un the uncredited voice of Marasha Ali, who plays the MC version of Blade, the Vampire Hunter. So Blade has now officially been introduced. Mhm. Because we knew that that was coming because that was announced when they announced the the films of Phase Four, but we didn't know when. I don't think. Yeah. Well, when would be first I, introduced? Anyway. Yeah, it was frustrating to me because I I I knew Kit Harrington's character was Black Knight. I think he's the third Black Knight in the comics, but um, I knew he was the Black Knight. And when he said, he, oh, he's t- about to tell Cersei a secret at the very end of the film before Arisham took her, I was like, he's going to like reveal and be like, Wah! and then it didn't happen. And I got, and then in this post credit scene, and he had the blade, I was like, it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And it didn't. And so I kept very like on the edge of my seat. like. <clears throat> I so. thought it was quite a classic um, Marvel, though, wasn't it, to do that? Yeah, it keeps you wanting more. And I do feel exactly. I do feel in credit to this film that I left the cinema wanting to have this expanded upon. Yeah. It's very Guardians like, it's very ensemble. You know, with the Eternals in the Domo and Evos turning up, they want to go back to Earth to find Cersei and Athos and that because they've gone quiet. I, I I got very I got very Guardians vibes from the end of this film. Um and it's probably the film I compare it to the most in the MCU mm. as well. Um, yeah, definitely. But I left the film wanting to to expand on this and wanting to know more. Even though it was a long film, it didn't feel very long and it felt almost too short. I wanted to to keep going and to keep finding out. And it drew me in towards the end. I wasn't, I didn't need the film going, going, 
I'm glad that's over. I wanted to know more and I wanted to. But that also might be because I'm very invested in Marvel. Yes. <laughs> that was one thing I wanted to just very quickly address is to me, I'm very, very like I've invested a hell of a lot of time um, <laughs> into, into Marvel. And I am very, very excited and can't wait to find out what phase four is going to be and what direction we're going to go in. And I couldn't wait to watch The Eternals. For as soon as it was announced really and I just feel from talking to other people even quite like who I would class as like you know moderate Marvel fans it's almost like for them phase three is complete and and that they'll park it there they're quite happy yeah. to leave it and move on and there just doesn't seem the interest in other people in in discovering what what's next and I don't know if they just need to, are, they, are they tired of, of Marvel? Do they need a break? Or is it that they need a few films to come out and to realise like what's out there before they kind of invest themselves again? I don't know. But a lot of people that I've been speaking to didn't know that Eternals was out yet. Um, Interesting. Yeah. And some people were like, Eternals, what's that? And to me, this has been like coming for yeah what a year and a half for ages and like I've known the entire cast for for what seems like forever and was very aware of when it was being released and it just doesn't seem to have that impact on other people and and I'm not sure why yeah it does feel like in an odd way we're starting from scratch again yeah and you just the hard course are going through but you'll get to Spider-Man and everybody will be there I cannot wait. <laughs> I cannot wait for Spider-Man. But it's that kind of weird thing where people, that's that's very phase four, you know. And yeah, I, I, don't, I don't quite know why a lot of people are very disinterested in the films, disinterested in the Disney Plus series and all sorts of things. So I'm just loving it. I'm just lapping it up. It's more storytelling. It's more, and you know, like I can t- keep saying, this this kind of universe is unprecedented in this in cinema and it's also unreplicable no one people have tried and no one can do it anymore because they're not willing to commit the time and marvel has spent a long time getting us to this point and i don't know how people can just turn away yeah <laughs> how can you give I'm, up i'm in now? it now i'm in it for the long haul <laughs> yeah i'm there till, the, I'm there till it dies um i have yeah. to be so with that Let's go to um, professional critics <laughs> and see what they're saying. <laughs> IMDb is at 6.9 at the moment with 61,000 um, ratings. Meta, the Metacritic score is 52, I believe, according to Paul. That's not great. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes is where it's interesting because the, the critics meter is 47. It's the first ever rotten, air quotes, Marvel film on White Tomorrow's, but the audience score is 80%. But most of that 47%, that critical release, um, was done before the film was even out in the general public, which is why it's, you know, and I think in a way it's affecting the release. Yeah. But I think it, I think it's done, I think it's done the release disjustice. I think it's done the film disjustice because it's nowhere near the worst Marvel film ever made. So they need to check themselves or wreck themselves because they're wrong so that's how it's that's how it's doing online um it's doing about middle um so, i mean just having a quick look shang chi is 7.9 like it's quite a big difference really isn't it yeah 
considering I would say this is better than Shang-Chi. Yeah. It's a bold statement. It's a bold statement. Um, I having just edited the Shang-Chi review, which is coming out uh, Friday this week on, on Disney Plus Day, um, and listening to my thoughts on that, I still stand by it. So with that... <laughs> oh, man, that's, that's a shock. I'm... Mm. I'm not sure I can agree with you on that one. Anyway, oh, let, with that, with that let's let's get into our actual scores. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, Maddie, give us your scores and summarise your thoughts and feelings on Eternals and why you gave it that score. Oh, gosh. Okay. I hate this bit. <laughs> like, it's like once it's out there, it's, it's set in stone and there's no coming back. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. The okay, the reason I've been so torn in this is because I can look at Eternals as a Eternals, the film, what I felt like when I was in there, um, looking back on it, just specifically that film. And I've got to say I was a little disappointed, but <laughs> it just means so much more because this is like the opening of phase four. I'm like it makes me so excited for where we're going to go from here i can't wait to delve into these characters i am more than ha- i have i have a lot of trust and faith in marvel that i am happy to put in the legwork now and trust that we needed this film to create what's coming so that's why i've been so torn <laughs> It's because I'm I'm thinking of films as well that it's that that I other films that have that've been out like I I have to say I think Shang Chi was better yeah <laughs> as a standalone film um, I think Shang Chi was better I do think this was significantly better than Black Widow oh I'm just gonna have to pick a number aren't I I'm okay I'm gonna go for eight like a 6.8 like I want it to nearly be a 7 it's nearly a 7 but it's just not do you think that's high or low I think that's very low oh (laughs) yeah that's that's very I think that's very low but I ranked no time to die as an 8 yeah and to me this just I mean it's it's your opinion art is subjective and that is that is your score that is entirely up to you. I yeah, my my feelings should have no bearance on your score whatsoever. So you can put it six point eight if that's how you feel. I'm so I'm very disappointed. I wanted to absolutely love this film. And I just think it didn't quite hit it for me. But like I said, I have belief that this is what we needed for the for what we're gonna get. For a bigger and brighter future. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, six point eight, six point eight. I'm gonna mark that down. Let me write that down on my big spreadsheet. I should, uh, I should have like a guest scores to my spreadsheet tonight. So, where is my guest scores? Six point eight. Boom. Okay. So for me, I think that Eternals is a bit of an MCU revelation. To be honest, I think. The filming of it and the visualization and the marriage of technology and practical effects is, I 
refreshingly right step for the MCU from its green screen um, predecessors. The cast is huge. The acting suffers a little bit, but the story is grand. It's heartbreaking. It really is heartbreaking when you think of what they're doing. It's such a diverse cast. I love the diversity. I, I'm a little bit in love with um, Makari and, and Lauren Ridloff. Um, I just there's something about her I'm just completely drawn to, and I'm I'm saddened to death by uh, Richard Madden's um, villain villainy twist, and you know just just the the world building that it had and the scope that it's giving us and i genuinely i genuinely think this is the it's a shake-up of the mcu i think it's a great um new direction um and i thought i enjoyed it and whilst it you know it led to some real kind of cliche tropes you know the the second in command betraying the leader and i did guess the minute you saw ajax the minute that icarus was standing beside cersei over the body of Ajax in my head, Icarus killed her. I knew it. He said something. He said a single a single sentence. I'll have to rewatch it when it's on Disney Plus. But the one one sentence that he said that gave it away, he killed her straight away. I knew. I knew. I knew it. I just didn't want to believe it. But yeah, I just think that this this I can only compare it to Guardians of the Galaxy because it's an ensemble film. I know that's the way that MCU they want to go is ensemble. Think of Captain Marvel two becoming the Marvels, right? Miss Marvel, um, whatever Monica Rambo is or whatever. Like they they want to go to more ensemble kind of esque style films, and so you know this is this is giving us a fresh look into our future. And I, and I think Chloe Zhao did a great, great directing of a film. I love they committed to length and yeah, the the whole thing. I I was scared to review this because there's so much in there, and there is so much to dissect, and we've barely scratched the surface on some of it. And so I've actually been debating, but I've taught myself up to the. I gave, gave it a score when I came out of the cinema, and I was gonna drop it, but even throughout this summary i've topped myself up back to where i was and i'm actually going to go and give it an eight wow i'm gonna get just an eight just an eight but i yeah this this film seems to be marmite it seems to be you either love it or you hate it mm. for a lot of people and i'm not normally the one who gives the high scores i'm yeah, actually quite surprised by that this is surprising that's high for you yeah it is high for me but i don't know there was just something about it that that's actually, I think, higher than No Time to Die. It is, yeah. It is higher. I gave seven to No Time to Die. Um, so yeah, and I mean, I gave, yeah, I gave Shang Chi a good score, as you'll hear in a few days. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I am personally, I'm very much on board with um, Eternals. So I, I give it an eight. Wow. Well, well, by, uh... <laughs> <laughs> I, so I thought you would have like I thought I mean I thought we probably would have been swapped if anything but um yeah yeah, yeah I've been I, I have been thinking about this film all day and yeah I just it got better there it's just it's those elements just make it work for me so mm, it just didn't have the impact that I wanted for me Maybe it will change your mind when Eternals returns. Eternals will return. I, as and, it says uh, I do really mean it. 
like I do have complete faith that this that we needed this film um and and i even potentially when i've seen the rest of phase four i may it may improve my opinion of this film as well um it's just yeah not there yet well i mean it's still a 6.8 it's still pretty hard that's yeah yeah that's good it's good it's better than halfway it's and it's you know that's entirely fine that is the whole point um (laughs) <laughs> but there you have it is it a controversial ending to this episode who knows i do want to say that if you are listening and you've made it this far if you're listening on spotify you can answer questions that we can set to to uh things and so the question i want to ask you guys if you're listening on spotify or if you're not you can go to spotify and answer anyway and we can see your answers is what out of 10 would you give eternals let me know your ranking or your score for the eternals film i want to see if if we have that 50 50 divide do you love it or do you hate it um i'll post it in spotify so look out for that question give me like on spotify the app so um let me know but maddie thank you very much for um coming today it's been fantastic this is a long episode where, it you is know, really long <laughs> it's, it's a long episode but it needed it it needed it so thank you so much it's great to have you back thank um, you very much for having me it's been it's been great and i'm definitely sure this won't be the last time we'll see you very soon i'm sure um there's plenty more coming out <laughs> uh, oh i hope so yeah months. but i think that's all from us and yeah. uh We'll see you in the next one. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this latest episode of Critics on a Bus. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for updates on more episodes. And we'll see you in the next one.